Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Double J, Jeff Jarrett here to tell you about SaveWithConrad.com. You've heard Conrad talk about the total nonstop savings they've provided current homeowners. But did you know Conrad and his team can also help my world listeners become homeowners? They make buying a home easier than getting the bag after a good housekeeping match. But don't take the last outlaw's word for it. Franklin Dove, Orlando, Florida. After listening to all of Conrad's podcasts and hearing the different stories that he shared, I felt the time was right for me to explore buying a home again and uh, reached out. And one thing led to another and finally closed last week. It was Excellent. Uh, everything's flowed smoothly from my first contact. I just put in the initial request online. Francis reached out. We started the application process, got the approval moving. Holly was great. Larry Thompson was amazing. Everything was smooth. Communication was perfect. Really, it was a, a much better experience than anything that I could have imagined. My name is Franklin Dove in Orlando, Florida, and I got into my dream home thanks to SaveWithConrad.com. That's right. In my world, it doesn't get any better than five stars. Don't let your landlord get over on you. Walk out on that bad deal and stop throwing your money away on rent today with SaveWithConrad.com. That's right. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! Hello, everybody. Eric Bischoff here with another episode of Strictly Business. As you can tell, my normal, regular, average, everyday co-host is not here today. John Alba is off. I am Ashley. I am recording this right before I take off and uh, jump on a plane, head over to the uh, UK, Ireland, Scotland, have a little bit of fun, do a little business, meet some fans, hang out, maybe have a pint or two. But before I take, I took off, I wanted to bring in Al Snow. Al is a a guy that I've known for a long time. We actually kind of came up in the wrestling business in a way. 
um, much uh, at, at the same time and some parallels in, in our careers, although Al was in a wrestler and I was just a salesman. But nonetheless, we've got some uh, parallel background. We're going to talk about that. But what I really want to talk about is Al's new series, uh, docuseries on Netflix. So without any further ado, let's bring in Mr. Al Snow. Al, how are you today? I'm just fine. How are you, Eric? I'm good, man. I'm really good. By the way, congratulations. I saw you about two weeks ago in yeah. Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Cool little town, man. Just yeah. a really interesting little town. I've never been through there before. And, and very I, uh, historically relevant to wrestling. I mean, that was where that field house we were in was where Vince Sr. used to do the uh, WWF TV. Yeah, that was interesting. While I was sitting there, uh, you know, signing autographs, uh, the promoter that put that event on came over and we we talked for a little bit. And as we're sitting there, he gave me a little bit of history and some of the big events that took place there, the Jimmy Snuka, Roddy Piper, yeah. famed coconut event back in the corner and all that. Uh, but he also, he, you know, the ring was set up because there were, there were matches there that evening after the convention. And he says, see that lighting grid up there? And, you know, calling it a lighting grid is being very um, kind. But yeah. it was it was in fact a lighting grid. Uh, but to see that lighting grid up there, Vince Senior bought that, and that's the lighting grid that he used to produce TV way back when. Yeah, and and you know when you you see something like that, and you look at what we use and utilize now, even even on a scale here in OVW, you know, in comparison, it's it's just incredible that you know you you basically that lighting grid that was hanging above the ring that Vince senior purchased to do television you might as well have just hung up a, a bunch of flashlights on a string you know and and look where the business is now i mean yeah. we we went from that and that was probably a fairly advanced setup compared to some of the old tv studio shoots that that we probably both grew up watching but it's just it was fascinating to me just to sit there and look at that grid and think of everything that took place in the ring below it for so many years that that made such a mark and was so instrumental in laying the foundation for where the industry is today it's kind of a mind trip in a way yeah it's 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 incredible the the uh, evolution i guess you know of professional wrestling as far as um technology and and the delivery of of the art form but what i love most i think about professional wrestling that is no matter how much everything else about it and around it evolves the actual art doesn't change it's it always remains exactly the same it's storytelling man it's good guys and it's bad guys it's 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 a confrontation and conflict that plays out on a stage we call it a wrestling ring but that's a stage and the dialogue in professional wrestling, unlike stagecraft or television or film, the dialogue in professional wrestling is probably 75% of it takes place as a physical art form as opposed to a narrative art form. And it yeah. is fascinating when you look at the history and where it began and where it is today. And to your point, how much it really hasn't changed. The presentation has, but yeah. the core of it is exactly the same. Yeah, it's... I say that it is the art of uh, physical storytelling within the context and that's it's the most important thing so within the context of a competitive situation you know we're selling that the professional wrestlers are prize fighters and that this is this is a professional 
competitive combat sport, sporting event. You know, that's really at, at the essence. That's what we're selling. I want to talk, we're going to get into Netflix because I have a million questions sure. in your series. But before we do that, I mentioned in the intro that you and I um, have a parallel path in some respects in that I believe you told me one time that you broke into professional wrestling in the AWA. Did I hear, remember that right? I broke in actually uh, in 1982. And then what I would do is because oh. at that time when you first broke in, you would make, you know, you would travel. You wouldn't be in the actual territory. You you had to earn your way in, and the way you did was by being a uh, what the term job guy, uh, where you went to TV and you were there, at what we now call today enhancement talent. Uh, you know, because you were inexperienced, you didn't have a name that they could market, and um, you know the the way you got your foot in the door was to to travel to the different territories. So. Uh, I would travel to out to Vern Gagne in AWA, uh, and I would do TV there. And, you know, I was a job guy. Uh, I would go to Indianapolis for Dick the Bruiser. I would go to uh, uh, up into Windsor for George Cannon, down to the Paphos, uh, you know, for um, Randy Savage and his dad and, and, and work TV. I would go to St. Louis for... Sam Muchnick, uh, Kansas City for Bob Geigel, uh, just, you know, all the different areas and would work uh, TV and get, you know, and, and the term job guy came from the fact that, you know, as a talent, if you were in the territory, um, you made your money on the live events. You weren't, you weren't paid for TV back then. Um, right. You know, and neither were the promoters, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Neither were the promoters. They weren't either. Um, um, but, you know, if you weren't going to be used on the live event, you were only coming in for that particular day. It was it was doing a job. It was not an opportunity or a commercial. It was doing a job. And hence the term job guy or doing a job was where that phrase was coined. What 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 time period did you work for Vern? Uh, 82 to 84, 85, I, I believe it was. Okay, um, so I you were there before else. I got there for sure. I was I was at home watching you. Oh, I didn't really? know it was you at the time, but well, I was home watching you during that period of time. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> How did you like working for Vern? I I, I like you know uh, Vern was a uh, you know he was a uh -oh. he was a tough tough guy. Delusion. There we go. We got you. We got you back. You dropped out from oh. from me a little bit. Oh, I, sorry I lost about that. You on, I, I asked you how you liked working for Vern. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Vern was a, he was a stern guy. Uh, he was a straight guy and direct guy and, you know, uh, but I liked him. I respected him. That's for sure. Uh, sometimes he could be, you know, he was the boss. So, you know, what do you, what do you have to say? I mean, you know, did you ever like see, did, did, he, did you ever see, get a glimpse of Vern going, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Lots of times. Thousand times. Uh, I've seen it in my sleep for, for a couple of years. Yeah. Every, work for him. every but, TV, but, I'd see him walking through the locker room. Jesus. What are some of the names, the bigger names in AWA that you worked with during that period of time? Do you recall? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, the fabulous ones when they were out there for their run. Uh, Rick Martell. Uh, Buck Zumoff, uh, Crusher Blackwell, um, 
uh, Otto Bonds, um, uh, one-time Bruiser Brody. Uh, that was oh, wow. that was exciting. Um, uh, uh, that actually that that video surfaced on the internet not that long ago of that match. It was myself and another guy in a handicap match, and you know uh, he and uh, Abdul the Butcher walked in, and my heart just sank because <laughs> just you know I could. I could bump really well and, you know, and I knew like they would always put me with the monsters they were trying to get over at the time. And I, I just, I had a feeling I was like, Oh God, this is not going to be a fun day. And Brody at the time, like he had a notorious reputation among all the, the job guys. Like if, if, you know, things didn't go well in the ring, he would, he would beat you up, you know? And, and I'd literally like the week or two weeks before I'd just been in Missouri for, um, Sam Muchnick and a couple of the guys were down there like, oh, Brody was in the territory and, you know, he was working with a guy here on TV and the guy did something. He kicked him in the face and his eyes started leaking fluid and I'm like, oh, good Lord, you know, and, uh, you know, they go, Al, uh, you and, uh, you know, this Victor Lewis was his name, was my friend. He goes, uh, you guys are going to be working a handicap match with Bruiser Brody and I'm like, my heart just sunk. I thought, I'm, I'm going to die. <laughs> You know, and um, I went to him and I said, listen, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't, I don't have any problem. I just want you because a couple of weeks before, uh, you know, um, um, Scott Irwin, uh, Bill Irwin's brother, he was working as a super destroyer. And I'm sure it was because I was dumb, uh, you know, decided to smart me up a little bit in the ring and repeatedly would he kept rabbit punching me in the back of the head. And it was it, it was so much that uh, when I got back to the uh, locker room, I couldn't all I saw was black and out of my left eye for about a half an hour. So I said, Hey, if you can hit me wherever you want, do whatever you need. Just please don't, if you could, sir, don't hit me in the head. He goes, okay, don't worry. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. I'm not going to worry. So, <laughs> Cause now you know, he's going to hit you in the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, we go in the ring and like, yeah, he, he beat the crap out of, you know, but he never to, you know, I got to make clear when I say beat the crap out of both of us, he never hit you hard in unsafe places, you know, and he never did hit me in the head. He, you know, he, he laid everything in because he was trying to get himself over, sure. you know, and he was being very aggressive and you know how you can sense the rhythm of the match and you know, Oh, well, we're, we're coming, we're getting to the point where we're about to go home. You know, you don't even need somebody to tell you, you can kind of sense it. And I was like, Oh, I got to get tagged out. I got to get tagged out. So I don't have to take the finish. And he grabs me by the hair and he walks over to my partner and he kicks him right in the face. I mean, he literally lifts his leg up and just straight out like poof and kicked him so hard. Like he hung on the, the poor guy hung on the rope and I hear him growl. He goes, fall down. And he just kicks him again and broke his nose. And the guy just sails off the ring apron. He slams me. He goes, don't move kid backs over into the turnbuckle. And I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Oh, and he never touched me, not once, hooked my leg, said thank you, and I think I peed myself a little bit with relief as I walked back to the locker room. <laughs> Great I, stories. Great stories. Yeah. Well, let's get into your project, man. Sure. The name of your series? It's uh, Wrestlers. Uh, very direct. Uh, very pretty self-explanatory, you know, what it's covering. And um, it was... Uh, what a, an amazing talent, uh, Greg Whiteley, 
uh, was the director and producer of Wrestlers. He's also the director and producer of Cheer and of Last Chance U. And uh, uh, what an amazingly talented person. He and the entire crew, all of them, uh, just incredible people. And I think one of the great benefits of, of doing this project is I've gotten to meet such amazing people that I'll probably continue to have a lifelong relationship with well after this is faded away. That's awesome. It's awesome. But I want to, I want to back up and mm-hmm. get into how, how your series got made. It was this an idea that you had worked on or did somebody come to you with this idea? Well, what had happened was, you know, we brought on uh, original partners were myself, Chad Miller, uh, Joe Reeves and Larry Benz. We, we went in and we bought, OVW from Danny Davis and, um, and then COVID happened, you know, and then we were, we, we kept it going, you know, and still producing weekly television, uh, just granted they were, uh, recap shows, all of them, but we were still able to keep that going. Um, and, but we were financially at a place where we needed it, you know, an influx of, uh, capital. Uh, so we brought on, uh, Craig Greenberg and, um, Jeff Tuttlin and Matt Jones, uh, they bought a majority stake in the company. And um, through that, uh, Craig, I believe it was Craig and his wife, had a relationship. This, this is literally a one in a million chance. I mean, when I explain this, I mean, it's just incredible that it even occurred. So they had bought into the company. Uh, a, a school friend, a high school friend, had came back into town to attend a wedding. They met, had a conversation that came up about wrestling. One thing led to another. And she was an executive with BBC America. Mm. And then kind of take, took that back to BBC America. There was, it was pitched to Greg Whiteley by, you know, uh, our other partner, Matt Jones, kind of took the reins from there. And uh, with uh, a young a guy by the name of Alejandro Mendez with BBC America, they pitched it to Greg Whiteley. He agreed Side, you know, wanted to do the project. Um, and then, you know, they came here, you know, how the thing goes, you do the teaser tape, they come back, they do a little bit of a, a teaser episode, you know, Netflix is on the, on the, you know, cusp, they don't really know. Uh, they showed up at the end of May, uh, the last week of May, and they were here until the end of August. Uh, all the way through August, the beginning of September, um, filming seven days a week, uh, 12 to 16 hours a day. Um, and that, I have to emphasize, this isn't a reality series. Quite honestly, it is a documentary. And, you know, everyone to the testament of the staff, uh, the, the talent, everyone, you know, 100% we decided to commit and, and, and open up completely every aspect of our lives, you know, and they... Greg uh, very respectfully went and documented all of it. What happens in the ring, backstage, you know, when these these people leave and they get in their cars, they go home to their families. I mean, you know, we we you can't be half pregnant. You got to be either all in or all out. And and we were all in as far as opening up and being as uh, open about and real as possible about uh, our lives. Let's step aside for a second, Eric, to remind the Strictly Business listeners out there that this episode of Strictly Business is presented by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, gentlemen. Guys, remember the days 
and it might have been a while ago. It's okay if it was. It might have even been just a few weeks ago when you were always ready to go on a moment's notice. No shame. Our bodies change. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed by heading on over to BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or just be ready whenever the opportunity arises, and the process is so simple. Sign up, BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you're going to receive your prescription within just days. And the best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the United States of America and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. I know it can be awkward sometimes when you have a product delivered to you that is for personal enhancement or improvement, but have no fear when Blue Chew arrives at my door I don't have to worry about anyone picking up on my business. It's strictly my business here when it comes to Blue Chew. And I know that I'm making a first impression that is going to last a lifetime with Blue Chew. So we want to help you out here on Strictly Business, as does Blue Chew. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WrestleBiz. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code WrestleBiz to receive your first month absolutely free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring Strictly Business. So through a series of good fortune and, and coincidences, yeah. you meet somebody or someone meets you and becomes familiar with, with OVW. They just happen to be uh, attached to BBC America, which does a lot of great documentaries and, and docu-series. Um, what about the deal-making process? Who on your side of the team, your side of the equation, was the point person, if there was one, um, uh, the to point negotiate I, the deal? Uh, I, the, um, Matt Jones, one of the partners, uh, I believe spearheaded with uh, Alejandro uh, Mendez of BBC America, spearheaded the, came together to bring the whole project to fruition. Did you have any sec, once you knew... Once it, because you don't know until you're actually filming you know, the way television works. But once you started, or bef right before you started, did you have any second thoughts of kind of like pulling your pants down and showing your ass, meaning exposing everything? Because you came up in an era that, you know, you, you and I both kind of fall into that old school era, you know, late 70s, early 80s, coming up in the business early on. It's kind of hard to just open up and tell everybody everything. I still have a hard time today. I do it, but I have to remind myself it's okay. Did you have any trouble doing that? Yeah, I did. I was, you know, a lot of different era and I was very reticent. Uh, you know, let's not fool ourselves. Uh, you know, the American society as a whole has known that professional wrestling has been predetermined since the 1940s here in the United States. And, you know, there's always been that unspoken agreement, which we in wrestling call kayfabe, but an unspoken agreement of, hey, we know you know as the audience that we know you know, but we're not going to insult you and we're not going to rub your nose in it. And the audience is like, hey, we know you know that we know, and we're not going to, you know, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to take it for what it is. 
you know, and I was, I was, to be honest, very reticent about, about, uh, but I, I felt like I could trust Greg Whiteley and the crew to uh, treat it with as much respect and irreverence as people like you and I in the business ourselves do. And, um, you know, and, you know, pull back the curtain and we did, uh, but we didn't pull it so far back which I can give you is like the Wizard of Oz. You know, we we pulled it back enough to where you could see there was a, a little old man standing behind the curtain, but we didn't pull it so far back that we take away the magic to right. where you see him pushing buttons and turning knobs and things like that. Greg focuses not more on it being an expose of wrestling. You know, he focuses more on uh, and the lives of those personalities and what drives them and how much wrestling gives them a purpose in life, you know, and that pursuit defines them, you know, and that it really that is the in drama in, in any good documentary or docuseries or even, you know, silly reality shows. And I, and I distinguish them because reality shows to me are taking unprofessional, not, not actors and actresses, putting them into staged situations where, you know, you're going to get a reaction they know you're looking for a reaction. So while they're not actors and actresses, they're pretending they're actors and actresses in an, in an absolutely contrived situation. And you're hoping to get drama. That's the Kardashians. And some of the reality shows that Jason Hervey and I produced where it was the same thing, but a docu series and a docu drama is quite different because you're yeah. following an arc. You're following a story like the, the, the mother and daughter, for example, is what stood out in the two episodes that I've watched so far. Yeah, it's about yeah. wrestling. Wrestling is a backdrop. The stakes are there. We learn all about what they've gone through, what they've overcome, drugs, alcoholism, abuse, whatever it may be. And wrestling is the one thing that A, brings them together as, as a mother and daughter, which is a little unique. And then it's the challenge and the opportunity in pursuing the dream. That is, that's a story that could have a backdrop in just about any environment. And yours happens to be wrestling, which is unique because people don't often get to see behind the curtain or even understand the process. You know, we've, we, we, in, in, in the United States, we know how the NFL system works, right? You, you go to, you start midget football when you're six and then you play yeah. all through grade school and you get to high school and maybe just maybe you'll get scouted or get, or, or get a scholarship to college. And then if you happen to be able to play in college, there's about a one half of 1% chance, you know, you may get drafted into the NFL and there's even a smaller chance that you may actually play and, and, and make a profession out of it. Same thing with baseball, basketball. We understand the process and the evolution in, in major sports because we're exposed to it a lot. Now it's a business actually, but with professional wrestling, like how do you get there? How do you go from, Hey, I think I'd like to do that to doing that. And that's, what's so cool about your docu-series is it gives people a chance to, to better understand. And while it may be exposing it to a certain degree, as you point out, not in a way that offends anybody, but in a way that I think, makes people appreciate it even more because it yeah. is so hard and it does take such a big commitment. And that's what I was most excited about when I, when I saw the first two episodes is that that's the kind of thing that it will actually make the business better 
in my opinion, because it'll give people a better appreciation and understanding of it. And that was my hope. Um, you know, I desperately wanted this project to that. If you were a wrestling fan, it would, it, it would only increase your appreciation and respect for, you know, the art and the, and the performers. If you were not a wrestling fan, my, you know, I had that same goal when we did tough enough and I had the same red as doing it that I did, you know, uh, with this, the same. I forgot concerns. you were even, a, I forgot you were part of tough enough too. That get, that gave you a little bit of an insight into the process. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and I was, you know, and you know, as well as I do that it, it being a docu-series, it's not like you said, it, 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 I want to differentiate. It's not a reality show. There were no, there were no, you know, it, you're seeing people as to who they are. You're seeing real reactions, real behavior, you know, uh, good or bad. Um, and, you know, as such, you know, I was desperately hoping that, which I think thanks to Greg and his, you know, masterful way he did things. I think that it, if you're not a fan, it has eyes uh, to potentially created, if, if nothing else, a curiosity uh, and maybe garnered some much needed respect for the business of professional wrestling and the art of professional wrestling. And it might actually bring you in and make you a fan of it, you know, and if I can, if I can achieve that with this project, then I think that it's a home run. How about your, your students? I'll refer to them as mm -hmm. talent as, as they are in this show subjects maybe mm -hmm. um i i mean i already know the answer to this question anytime you give young talent an opportunity to get camera time they're probably going to be excited about it but did you have anybody that's a part of your school that was like man i don't know if i really want to be a part of this or was pretty much everybody on board no there were there were some uh talent that were um resistant to it and were, were hesitant to be a part of it and, and you know i had to explain to them uh just what a you know, what a monumental opportunity this could turn out to be for them. You know, the amount of exposure I'd major platform like Netflix and the number of people that could see them get interested in them and now could help to create an opportunity to make themselves an attraction was just something that, you know, they couldn't pass up, that it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity that they may never, ever get again if it passes by. And luckily, you know, they. Did I, did I lose you again? Did no, we got again? you. We got okay. you. Okay. Yeah, I can't tell. So, you know, that, you know, everyone decided, you know, opened up and, and decided to take advantage of this. And I, I'm, I couldn't be happier because, you know, contrary, you know, Eric, I, I, there, there's such innings these days, you know, in the wrestling business and, you know, People think that they're they're employees of a company, you know, oh, well, so-and-so is getting fired from WB. You can't fire a wrestler. You know, it's a business relationship between the wrestler and the promoter. The wrestler is a an entrepreneur, and he's selling a product, and that product just happens to be him, providing basically the platform that will allow the wrestler to create a commercial, because that's what every wrestling match is. That's what every wrestling show is. It's not a show, it's a commercial to sell your product, which are your wrestlers. And 
you know, the promoter's giving the wrestler an opportunity to go through that curtain and take what that wrestler does and make himself an attraction, connect with a star and be the thing that sells tickets and drives TV ratings and sells merchandise and licensing and et cetera. And then together, the promoter and the wrestler exploit, capitalize and exploit what the wrestler has done on the promoter's platform. And, you know, uh, and taking advantage of an opportunity like this, any degree, it, it would be insane to have missed that chance. And literally, I can tell you, because it's the most disappointing thing for me, because I, I, I think I say in the, in, the, in the documentary that I actually want these people to succeed more than they do themselves. And that's probably the most frustrating aspect of, of doing this, is that we had, we had a million dollar television project that was here uh, seven days a week, uh, you know, for months. And, you know, I have Doug Basham, who's a former WWE uh, wrestler, great trainer. He's here. He runs a class on a Monday and a Wednesday for two hours each day. They had cameras here every one of those days. And the same number of people and the same people that showed up in documentary arriving were the same people that came to those classes and were on camera and no one else came. And I'm like, you're missing such an immense opportunity to get camera time and to have an opportunity to have a conversation with the producers and the directors and the crew and tell them your story and that potentially could make you now the focus of the show that could literally and do give you the dreams that you want to dream that you claim you have and yet you can't you can't motivate them to come in and just simply do that one step you know and take advantage of that opportunity and it, it's it's disappointing you know, it is indeed um, because it, they'll also learn along the way you learn about television. And that's one of the great things about, mm -hmm. you know, the wrestling business is yes, you have to learn how to, you have to learn the technical aspects of, of performance and learn how to do the moves and all, all the things that go along with it, learn how to sell and when to be aggressive and all that. But you also have to learn a little bit about how television works because ultimately yeah. that's your goal is to make it to television. And if you don't have any concept at all, of how television really works at the most basic levels, you're really holding yourself back by only focusing on what you do in the ring. But it's yeah. hard to convince people of that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's why, you know, I'm really proud of the fact, like with my partner, Chad, we were able to, uh, and it took a, it was a process, but we were able to, uh, through the state office of proprietary education here we were able to get accreditation as an actual trade school for professional wrestling oh, good sports for you. entertainment. Yeah. And we don't just teach the in-ring skills to your point. We, we teach lighting, sound, uh, camera operation, uh, you know, uh, event management, um, personal finance, um, you know, the history of the wrestling business. We teach all of those, you know, and um, so, you know, now as a performer, not only do they better understand what they need to do in the ring because they've actually operated a camera and know what to look for and why we're looking for it, you know, and they can now exploit any opportunities that come for them in the ring. They now have skills that go outside of the ring and that they could still be an asset of UE going forward if, in, you know, because it's not a matter of if, it's, it's a matter of when their career inside the ring is going to come to an end either through injury or just attrition, you know, um, where their time's going to be up. 
and they can now step out of that ring and continue to be a you know positive uh, part of the wrestling business. Um, you know that's so, you know that's why when I didn't mean to interrupt you there. We're breaking oh, no, up just a little bit. Um, get a little bit of a weak Wi Fi signal somewhere along the way. But that's, yeah. you know, in, in the context of what's been going on recently in WWE, I think there was about 18 layoffs the other day and or, or people that were released or not renewed, however you want to look at it. And, you know, I've got some empathy for those people. Now, most of them are young, most of them. But when you get into your late 30s, your early 40s, if you're on that list and you find your wrestling career is coming to an end, at least in WWE, you know, you often have to ask yourself, okay, I'm, I'm at the... I'm at a point in my, my career at an age where I either am going to continue making a living doing this for the next 20 years, or I've got to move out of the business. And yeah. you spend so much time learning your craft and traveling around the country, hoping to get an opportunity. And when that comes to an end and you have to transition out of professional wrestling, if you don't have a skill set that you've learned while you're wrestling, that allows you to segue into being a talent producer or a television producer or an event management team, be a part of an event management team. If you have no idea how the business of the wrestling business works, once your career in a ring is over, you're knocking on doors at Walmart wanting to be a greeter unless you've got a college yeah. education or some other, which most people, you know, a lot of people do have a college education, but it's hard to, reinvent yourself when you're 40. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I've had yeah. to do it a couple of times, <laughs> but fortunately I've had more of a business background than a wrestling background, obviously, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. I wanted to ask you though, with cause this is, you know, strictly business. It's about the business of the wrestling yeah. business. And with the, with the Netflix docuseries now, how many, how many episodes mm -hmm. are there total? I've watched the first two. There are seven, seven, seven. total episodes. Yeah. And are they all out yet or are, are you still? Yeah, they're all out. They're all out on Netflix. And, you know, uh, uh, it, it has been so amazingly received. We actually got a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, um, and we were trending on Twitter, uh, of course, last week when it debuted. And then again on Saturday. And then uh, again, I think. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, trending for like 24 hours. And then uh, Variety, Forbes, Esquire, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, um, all gave it for, um, they featured it on the Today Show. And they have a segment of, of shows that, that you should watch and they featured it and, and raved about it. Um, you know, and again, that's, that's all a testament to the incredible talent of Greg Whiteley and his crew. I mean, and yeah, Greg, I, yeah, I, I was going to tell you, uh, I watched, <clears throat> I literally, I saw you in Hamburg. I got home Sunday mm -hmm. evening from that, that trip, uh -huh. had dinner with Lori and, you know, played with my dog for a little bit, went a little hike, went to bed pretty early. And I thought, no, man, I got to watch this. And I, I was just going to watch part of one and I ended up watching the first two episodes. And the first yeah. thing I thought of, I almost texted you it was late at night by then, but it was like, man, the open, just the open and the music, the music selection oh. was so right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, I mean, they believed in this so much. I mean, you know how much 
the music yeah. rights alone. Somebody awesome. spent some money. And, <laughs> and let me tell you, there's there, you know, because they're selling the soundtrack to the to the to the show, and there is some un- amazing music all the way through the entire series. Hey, Greg, the way he shot, you know, the 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 actual wrestling matches and everything. I mean, it it's so draws you in, you know. Um, you know, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I mean, it it and there's so much to take in in every episode, you know that. Most people that have watched it uh, do like you, like they start watching and they only have time, they say, to watch one and they end up watching two or three or they end up going through the whole seven episodes. They just can't stop themselves. So that's a good thing. You know, that's yeah, that's so I, I need you know, to ask great. you a couple of questions because this is strictly sure. business. And, and I, you know, sure. because we're friends, I normally wouldn't ask you these questions. And if you don't want to answer them, I completely mm-hmm. understand. But I feel like a dipshit if I don't ask. You can ask so, anything you want. When you talk about the soundtrack, for example, you know, in television, typically there's back end and mm-hmm. back end would involve, you know, a percentage of sales off the soundtrack. Are, does your group uh, on your side of the equation, do you get to participate in any of that? No, we don't. The reason we don't. That's not unusual um, either. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, Usually. Go ahead. Um, the, the deal was. Uh, you know, Netflix did pay OVW a certain amount of money, you know, like, um, I, I don't know what the fee would be called, but like an access fee or something of that nature. Um, you know, uh, in regard, you know, but in regards to like what a typical deal, uh, that wasn't the case because it's, it was, you know, very made clear. It was a documentary. And as a result, like, you know, reality series, you know, they pay the, 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 people that are on those reality series at least something per day you know um because again that like you said they're they're sort of semi quasi actors you know in contrived etc and then and it was made very clear this is a documentary and you know uh greg wants to you know he wanted to make sure everyone understood he wanted to come here and he wanted to simply document what goes on and what happens and how people act and 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 as such you know ovw got a, a a certain fee but from there on you know like no one else got paid uh no one has a back-end deal um it's you know what it, it doesn't matter because even if they would have offered you a back-end deal and wrote it in put it in your contract you wouldn't see a dime anyway it it, it Oh, I know. It's I know. it's an illusion that makes people feel better when they yeah. get it, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But as far as upside yeah. goes, the exposure for OVW, I've got to think with as many people, as many eyeballs that are on this, there's going to be somebody watching it who is thinking about maybe breaking into the business. Have you seen the benefit of that yet? Uh, you know, I think uh, the best way I can just- Describe this is that right now we're we're about to go on a roller coaster ride, and we're literally at the top of the hill looking down at that first big drop, uh, and we've yet to really take off. Saying that though, like uh, last night for TV, you know, TV tapings, we sold out. We had to turn people away, uh, but I want to make it clear, like for the last probably year and a half, we've been slowly building an audience and. And this couldn't have happened at a better time business-wise because 
you know, we, we literally have been, you know, we've not been knocking it out of the park, but more often than not, we've really started building an audience and, and a, a different, a new audience. And uh, we've pretty consistently been on, especially on bigging out the building, but this is our first TV that, that we, not only did we sell out the building, but we had to turn people away for that, that episode episode of TV that we were film that we were doing. That's a, that's a happy, and, problem. Uh, happy problem to have. Very much so. And, and I think, you know, it, it couldn't have happened because the, the roster is in a place where now it, they tried to communicate to them as to what we're selling, how we go about selling it and, and are primed now to capitalize on this exposure. Cause I don't need to explain to you. I mean, this is a, this is a springboard. It's, it's a launching pad, but then you've got to be able to take that and then run with it, you know? And if this had happened two years ago, three years ago, the talent, I wouldn't have had the roster in the place that they are now that we could have utilized it to the degree that we can. And, uh, and of course, you know, it, I know it's going to just simply, you know, blow everything here up. I mean, with the relevancy and the exposure, not only for the company, but for the wrestlers themselves. And it's going to create a whole list of issues and challenges for me that, you know, up until now I haven't had to deal with, which is now I'm going to have to compete for my talent. You know, um, they're going to have opportunities thanks to their exposure, because the one thing I can give them, you know, that they couldn't get anywhere else was that weekly television exposure that we offer, you know, on regionally we're on in a, you know, a number of cities here in the state, but then, and then, you know, we're on fight TV, which is goes all around, you know, streaming wise. And then we're on, you know, um, YTA action channel, next level sports game plus RCN and Lily. They're all national networks. Granted, they're, they're not major ones, but, uh, you know, like YTA's in about 50 million homes across America, you know, uh, you know, and, and so combined, we're in about 100 million plus homes uh, between Canada and Puerto Rico, Guam, Virgin Islands, and Bahamas. So I was able to give them exposure on a regular basis to allow them to create opportunities elsewhere. Now they've got it. You know, they're also going to be really an attraction and they're going to be able to ask for more money. And so now I'm going to have to compete and make sure I have them because I need them here on a consistent basis. Like, you know, as well, you know, I don't need to tell you, Eric, in order to the only reason you're putting your talent on TV, besides utilizing them to create content, your real amazing main reason is you're to an attraction to draw money for you and your company. And they have to be there consistently week in and week out to be able to do that. And so now I'm going to have to face the challenge of competing with probably other motions to keep them here so that's going to be maybe one of the downsides of all this yeah i'm gonna get that phone go hey al thank you so much for everything you've done for me but i can't make your shot because i'm gonna go work for so and so speaking of i I already have that i already have that (laughs) i have a pay-per-view i'm gonna do october 21st so i'm gonna build all my tv you know build your tv to really sell and put over those those matches and this one person and already i've got one coming to me you know haley j the the girl the being you know she's she's a you know and good for her but she's opportunity to AEW on the 21st i'm like 
well, here we go. It's off. We're off to the races now. <laughs> She'll be back. Trust me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> OVW was officially um, a part mm -hmm. of the WWE developmental territory and developmental system, probably a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, no longer. Yeah. But I would imagine you still have a pipeline. You have a direct contact there. Are you still working with WWE and AEW or not so much Actually, anymore? no. No, I, I, you know, I have, there are still uh, a few people that I know in WWE that are still there. Um, and I've retained those relationships. Uh, but no, there's no direct interaction or contact, you know, with WWE. I mean, they, Okay, you know, they'll do a favor or whatever. Like if I want to do uh, something and want to use some video footage that they own, I mean, they, they have no problem with that. And that so was the other thing I wanted to ask terms. you. It, you, you Greg used mm -hmm. a your director used a lot of WWE footage. I saw Hulk Hogan yeah. and Andre footage, I think, or for sure Hulk Hogan footage several times in the episodes that I watched and a lot of other WWE footage. They tend yeah. to be very uh, territorial when it comes to their trademarks and copyright material. How did you get yeah. access to that? I believe, you know, I, Greg contact, you know, the, the BBC America and, and Greg, they contacted WWE. And I think, you know, because of the, the association and the, uh, you know, the relationships that we have had with WWE, I, I, I believe that's why they gave it a pass. They were, they, they allowed it to be used. That's awesome because it added a lot of value, you know, between the music, the yeah. footage, because it, it put everything in context. Yeah. You know, we're, we're watching I agree. these young talents who are, you know, scraping and fighting and clawing and trying to learn the very basics and fundamentals while they're trying to survive in their personal lives. And when you see what could be by yeah. using some of that footage and, and putting the opportunity in context, it, it really added a lot of value. I think to the story and in the context of it also, I'm glad that happened because it, it added so, just like the music, it just added so much to it. Yeah. I, it was, you know, um, you're right. I think, you know, it showed the, the uh, the other side of the coin, you know, it, it you know, the, you're, you're down here, you're, you're, you're struggling, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're scraping, you know, and you're, you know, doing everything you can just to survive. But yet, if you stick with it, you, you, you might be, you could be here on that level, you know, where it's, it's, you know, the lights and the audience and, you know, and truly being, you know, a superstar in no uncertain terms. You know, any, when you're in WWE, you're, you are a superstar, unquestionably. Any conversations about another docu-series, a follow-up series, anything like that on the, um, on the table yet? There have been conversations. Uh, I think, I think there's a 10 day window, a 14 day window, and then like a 28 day window. And from what I understand with Netflix makes those decisions, like as far as a second season, I don't know, a series that's done the 10 or even, you know, only a rare few that have gotten the nod at a 14 day window type of thing. Um, so we're, we're just going to, we're on a, a holding pattern and wait and see if there will be a season two or not. Um, I think they, you know, so that they can, you know, get all the metrics and get all the numbers. 
sure make that decision you know as to whether or not um it warrants a season two or not now i know with greg's past projects with last chance you and cheer cheer had you know two seasons um and i know last chance you is still an ongoing series to this day so you know i would be surprised you know with the response we've gotten uh which has been just overwhelmingly positive just incredible um i think i would really be surprised if we don't get a season two i just gotta be so fun I, if you were doing if if you were doing it right now and you could work it out i'm, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure you probably you, you're BBC America could work it out, but it would be interesting to follow Haley as she's going from BBW yeah. and now she's getting her crack at, at, at AEW. It would mm-hmm. be fun to follow along and watch that no matter how yeah. good it is or how bad it ends up either or anything in the middle, that would be great content to have. And it's a natural kind of progression of, of what you've done so far. And I'm sure there'll be other opportunities I, like that. So I'm pushing for you to get, I another, think there's a good chance. get another series. I appreciate it. I think there's a good chance that could happen. I mean, the, 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 the talk or the discussions we've had is that if there is a season two, like they're BBC America is going to come back here pretty quick within the next, you know, as soon as they get a yes or a no, you know, get a yes, they're going to load up up and be back here and be filming like, you know, at least a, for a period, a short period of time for about a month or so, I think was waited. The seasons are changing and fresh ball fall is finally upon us. And you need to be in the festive spirit, right? Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice and make sure your balls look real nice with the sponsors of today's edition of Strictly Business Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves of their trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that sweater weather get your pants puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a fall breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code wrestlebiz for 20 percent off plus free shipping that's w-r-e-s-t-l-e-b-i-z i look great in a flannel i don't wear enough of them i love flannel season i love cozy socks but we can't forget to trim our balls by now, you've heard of them, but it's time to join the 9 million men worldwide using Manscaped and get the kit that covers it all. The Performance Package 4.0. It starts with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer with advanced skin safe technology that reduces nicks and cuts to make raking the leaves a lot less painful. Plus, the Lawnmower is a technical masterpiece. It has a 7,000 RPM motor, a multi function on off switch that can engage a travel lock, and built in 4,000K LED spotlight to help you see parts of your body you haven't looked at in years. And once you've cleared the driveway, the Performance Package comes in hot with products to cool you down. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner. It's all one to prevent stink and one to clear it up. With a soothing aloe vera formula, move over pumpkin spice. Fresh balls are the smell of the season. The Performance Package 4.0 caps off with two free gifts. Eric Bischoff loves free stuff. The Manscaped Boxers, which I was just wearing the other day, and the Shed Travel Bag. That's one to hold your Manscaped goodies and one to hold your man goodies. Bring in the fall right and get 20% off and free shipping with code WrestleBiz at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use code WrestleBiz. As the leaves fall, make sure you have it all with Manscaped. Uh, all right, I, I'm going to have weeks. to ask you another question. I, I hate to put sure. you on a spot like this. And yeah. again, all due respect, who the fuck no. writes your jokes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, tell me the some truth. Of them I, 
I'll tell you the truth. Some of them I find, some people now send me, and then some I just, you know, I go, oh, that's funny. And I just, you know, put it up. So, you know. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I follow you on Twitter, and I, I, I get the biggest kick, and I always wonder, is it, what does he do? Does he sit around and does, is he fantasizing no. about a, being, being a stand-up comedy guy or a writer? I've, I've, been, doing, I've been doing stand-up comedy. I've been doing stand-up comedy actually for about uh, about the last eight months or whatever. I got I got it to be the biggest challenge of my life. Uh, I have a stand-up comedy show I'm doing October 28th in my hometown where I grew up in Lima, Ohio, and my mom's going to be in the audience. So that's going to be that's going to be awkward. I'm going to tell you that's going to be awkward. You know what I did a while a while back, and I don't know what motivated me to do it. I guess I was just bored, and I was trying to, you know, I like to learn new things. You know, just sure. I, later in October, I'm taking a class. Uh, it's an online class, obviously, but at MIT Sloan, their business school, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's business school, and I'm taking a class there. I think it's 16 weeks on artificial intelligence because mm-hmm. I got to know how this shit doing? works. You know, yeah. it, it, and like yeah. I tell people all the time, everybody that I've ever asked this question, I, you know, I say, do you have a microwave? They go, well, yeah, I have a microwave. Do you know how it works? No. You know, <laughs> well, like, we all have yeah. it, but nobody knows how the freaking thing works. So yeah, I do, by the way, and if you're ever interested, I'll offline, I'll, I'll share that with you. But yeah. in that frame of mind of, like, I got to know how this stuff works. I've always been interested in, creative writing as it relates, especially to television and movie and film script writing and development. It's just an interest I have. And I guess it was born out of my experience in producing television and, and meeting people who are traditional writers, you know, that wrote fiction and and scripted material. But I thought, man, what are these, where, how does the process, the writing creative process work for comedians? So I went online, did some searches and I found there's a guy by the name of Jerry Corley and I'm not, promoting him by the way I, I don't know if his comedy school is is great or mediocre or the shits but I, mm-hmm. I I I got some material from them and 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 spent some time online with them and the process of writing comedy and the process of writing good wrestling there's a lot of parallels there and if you're interested in that you should I mean check it out there's I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of you know comedy writing the, opportunities out there I think the I think the performance wise too, uh, it, I, you know, I, it, in, in wrestling, you have to be authentic. You have to 100% be the guy you're still in that ring. It's gotta be you, an aspect of you that you just turn up really loud when you're on stage in, in comedy, it's exactly for me, the same experience. I've got to be authentically me. I've in order for it to be even remotely funny or entertaining, I, it's gotta come out of here, it can't come from up here, you know, it's and with wrestling, with comedy, with any art, you know, that's, that's why, you know, like I always tell uh, the students here, you know, um, you know, everyone can paint a house. Not everyone can be an artist. You know, there's used to, you were old enough, like I am, you, you know, the old paint by number pictures. I mean, they were, they were pretty pictures. But you you would never see one hanging in a museum. It was done from here in your head. It wasn't done from your heart. So therefore, it doesn't evoke emotion or connection to anyone who's viewing it. As opposed to if it's done from 
from a place of passion, well, that it's going to evoke some kind of emotional response. And I believe that, you know, both wrestling and comedy are, are exactly that, that if you're not authentic and, and doing in the wrestling ring from inside where you really feel it and believe it, and if you're not on, on the comedy stage, really you think, you know, for whatever reason in your own quirky way, it's funny to you. It's now funny to an audience. You can communicate that. Well, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll say Thank a you. prayer for you. I hope you guys get a, a, another season because I think it'll be good for, for, for the school, obviously for you, for the talent themselves. It'll be good for the wrestling business. And I, I, yeah. I couldn't be happier for you. I'm, I'm a big cheerleader Al Snow and OVW. So congratulations. I hope we get another s series out of it. And uh, I can't wait to see you down the road, brother. I really, really genuinely do. And, you know, I can't thank everyone for their support. You know, if they, if they could just, if they, you know, if, even if you don't watch it, just hashtag wrestlers, Netflix, just keep supporting it, spreading the word, tell your friends and family, you know, this you know and I, I i really do hope sincerely that this is uh is good for the wrestling business i hope, hope that it helped and the audience and and take it to uh, you know in a different direction into a, a different level yeah. well we've got a we've got an extremely loyal family here on ad free shows and on strictly business and uh between you asking them and me asking them to please hashtag wrestlers hashtag netflix wrestlers just hashtag your ass yeah. off, will you? Come on, help a brother out. Let's yeah, do it. Help us out. HBO, help a brother out. There you go. Al, continued success, my friend. And like I said, we'll see you down the road. Maybe next time we'll have time to go out and grab a bite to eat, have a beer. It sounds great. I really appreciate it, Eric. I can't thank you enough. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week starting at just nine bucks that's less than 20 cents an episode each month and yes you can listen to them all directly through apple podcasts or your regular podcast apps how easy is that ad free shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docuseries like title chase eric fires back conversations with conrad and the insiders Plus new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early. You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch-alongs, Q&As, and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And hey, when you do, the first week is completely free. Adfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.